Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. There's a popular meme on social media that depicts a man trying to shove a giant Jesus-type figure into a small cardboard box. On the box is the word theology, and it's meant to convey the idea that if Christians hold firm to theological positions, that we are somehow trying to make Jesus conform to our small-minded conceptions of God, and theological conversations can be stopped in their tracks if someone simply pulls out the old, oh, don't put God in a box. There are other statements that have a similar effect, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, Natasha has some quick reminders and her tip of the week. Well, our Unshaken Conference is coming up in Southern California in just a few weeks now. So if you're in the area, be sure to join me, Alisa, and Frank Turek on May 6th at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, where we will equip and encourage you to stand firm on truth in today's culture. The tickets are now on sale at unshakenconference.com, and we'll be in Tucson, Arizona on September 23rd and Nashville on November 4th. Those tickets will be on sale next month. Also, we want to thank everyone who's been rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple and other platforms where you're listening. We have over 860 ratings of our first 10 episodes. That's amazing. And we appreciate that so much. So if you've been enjoying the podcast and haven't left a rating or review, please do that because it makes a huge difference in helping people find out about the show. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Well, my tip of the week is for parents who are planning to send kids to middle or high school church summer camp. There are a lot of camps right now that are taking sign up. So it's a good time to remind everyone that just because a camp is a Christian camp, it doesn't necessarily mean that the speakers and or the counselors will be biblically solid. So you'll want to ask good questions before you send your kids off, like who is speaking at the camp? And then you can look them up online and learn more about them. If you're not sure what you should look for, I'd say go back and look at episode nine of this podcast because we talk about evaluating churches online and a lot of the same things apply to evaluating individuals. You'll also want to ask what statement of faith the camp counselors have to sign in order to work with the kids. So sometimes you think about checking out the speakers, but the counselors themselves are the ones who are working so closely with the kids. So you want to know, well, what are the qualifications? How are they vetted? And what kind of statement of faith do they sign? And also try to get a schedule for the week to see if there are any other activities that you might end up having questions about. I hate to say it, but we can't just assume that Christian means biblically sound. So parents, be sure to do your homework. Mm. That is some good advice because especially the finding out what statement of faith the counselors themselves have to sign because you never know. Things can break down on the lower levels. But my tip of the week is just to keep things simple. You know, people try to muddy the waters and make Christianity into whatever they want it to be so that if you come along and say, hey, I'm not sure this is a orthodox Christian belief, they might say, oh, who are you to judge? Or that's just your interpretation. So my tip of the week is that if you're going to redefine Christianity, and you're going to disagree with Jesus, 
you should not call it Christianity. I know that's fairly simple, but often that's a way to get around fighting over interpretations or this or that. But just say, look, does what you're saying agree with the person you're claiming to follow and go straight to the words of Jesus? For example, in progressive Christianity, they might emphasize the human element of the Bible and refer to the Bible as just a human book that was written by people who were trying to figure God out in their times and places. A great question to ask is, hey, what do you think about how Jesus talked about the Old Testament scriptures? Because as they'll discover, Jesus over and over referred to the Old Testament scriptures as the word of God, not primarily as a human book. That's a great tip. And if everyone followed that, we would have much different discussions, I think. (laughs) The world would be a better place if everyone could follow Elisa's tip this week. It's a good one. Well, if you search the phrase, don't put God in a box online, you are likely to find a whole lot of different applications. On one hand, you'll have sincere Christians who use the phrase to encourage other believers to exercise more faith in God and not put limits on his ability to answer prayer or come through in difficult situations. In other examples, you'll find Christians who are thinking more about the work of the Holy Spirit, and they're just encouraging fellow believers to be more open to experiencing God, as well as learning things about Him. And that's all well and good, but the most common way that this phrase is used is when people don't want to be confined by the moral teachings Mm. of the Bible. For example, one website rejected the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and defended their idea with these words, quote, the God of Jesus cannot be reduced to any creed or doctrine doctrinal statement. The real God is so much deeper, wider, larger, and greater, end quote. The salient question is this, is God in a box? And if so, who put him there? And what is the nature of that box? If we think there are any limitations to God, does that mean we're imposing human standards on him and putting him in the box? These are the questions that we want to answer today. So let's first think about whether or not God has any kind of limits. Maybe you've heard the question before, if God is all powerful, can he build a rock so heavy that even he can't lift it? The reason that question is sometimes raised by skeptics is that the Bible says God is omnipotent, all-powerful. But if he's all-powerful, doesn't that mean he can do anything? Well, when we say God can do anything, we have to understand that that doesn't literally mean anything because he can't do what is logically impossible. For example, if he could create a rock he couldn't lift, it would mean he wasn't actually all-powerful because he wouldn't be able to lift the rock. So it's actually because of his omnipotence that he can't create that rock. In the same way, he can't make a square circle. These are just logical impossibilities. He also can't do what is inconsistent with his perfect character. So God can't commit evil because he's sinless and he's holy. Titus 1-2 says that God cannot lie. So yes, as a starting point for this conversation, in a certain sense, God does have a box on what he can do. He can't do what is logically impossible or inconsistent with his character. Yeah, that's that's so important because often the question is framed, if God can do anything, can he do X, Y, or Z? And really the question isn't, you know, if God can do anything, that's not what we mean when we're talking about him being all powerful. That means he has unlimited power, but he can't be illogical. And there's frankly, lots of things God can't do. As you mentioned, Natasha, he can't lie. He can't do something immoral. He can't, like you uh, framed it, do anything that goes against his perfect nature and character. So I think one thing that people just don't tend to think about regarding this question is that there's just, there's a lot of things God can't do, but that doesn't mean he's not uh, unlimited in his power. So, and then when we think about the box idea, I always think about the Bible. This is God's revealed word. And in a certain sense, it's God that has put himself 
in the box, right? He gave us scripture and this is sort of a box he's putting himself in. Uh, Natasha, I had a conversation with someone this week and they brought up something that a progressive pastor had said to them. And the progressive pastor compared the Bible and God with his relationship with his wife. So the progressive pastor said, I would so much rather kiss my wife than read a book about kissing my wife. And the guy, he asked me what I thought about that. And I thought, you know, I get why that's compelling, but let's think through that a little more deeply. That would be like saying, I would rather kiss my wife, but also there's this document that's just been discovered that records all of her deepest thoughts and emotions and feelings and experiences. She describes how she wants to be kissed and what her deepest hopes and dreams are. Now, if you say, I'd rather just kiss my wife than read that document, now you're just kind of a jerk, right? <laughs> and so there's really, it's like, you don't have to choose one or the other, but this, this is the box that God has put himself in. There are God rail, guardrails. There are certain things that are outside the bounds of what is acceptable to think and behave like. So every time we talk about God, we're actually doing theology. And so the meme that we introduced in the beginning, where you have this guy shoving this Jesus into this box that says theology on it. Um, I mean, think about it this way. The meme itself makes theological conclusions. Um, when uh, Tim Barnett and I were writing our book on deconstruction, we actually met via Zoom with deconstructionists privately to try and just hear them out and see what they were thinking and make sure that we were representing them accurately. And I'll never forget this one deconstructionist was saying, oh, you guys are just, you just put God in a box and you're just thinking so binary on all these things. And so Tim, very, you know, kind of um, in a very subtle way, asked this deconstruction who was also a progressive Christian, is there anything that you would say would put someone outside the bounds of Christianity? And so the deconstructionist did have one point. He said, well, maybe this would. And Tim said, okay, so you have a box too. Now we can talk about the size of our boxes, what the edges are. And I thought that was a really good way to approach it because as we see these other memes, there's so many memes out there. Um, one that I can describe where it has a man in a thought bubble with a tiny little box that says God, and it's the God box. And then it says before his theological breakthrough. And then on the other side, it says after his theological breakthrough and his God box gets a whole lot bigger. So that's something we hear too, is that when you put God in this supposed box, like you're, you're making God smaller than he actually is. And once you break out of this type of thinking, then you're going to let God be bigger uh, in your own mind and you won't be putting such limitations on, on God. And so the point would be to, to get rid of the box altogether. And there's another meme out there that shows that it's like, you're thinking your box gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it finally just explodes and disappears and you don't have a box anymore. And that's supposed to be where we want to go, but that's, I mean, that's not a good place to be. No, it, it's not. Because if you have no boundaries whatsoever on your understanding of God, as they're kind of uh, saying that we should, then what you think you understand is no more than a guess. I, I feel like no one is putting those pieces together when they say this. So think about it. If God hasn't revealed himself in scripture, then everyone is just groping around in the dark. And mm -hmm. that's what makes it so ironic when progressive Christians criticize evangelical Christians for believing what the Bible says about God. Because for the sake of argument, just say for a second that the Bible isn't God's word. Well, if I still want to believe what this book just happens to say about God, there's no reason that's a worse guess than what anyone else thinks, right? Mm -hmm. If God hasn't told us anything, 
then no one actually knows about God. So it really does come back to that idea that we're not, if the Bible's God's word, we're not putting God into a box. We're taking the box that God has already given us with him in it. And that doesn't mean that we can understand everything about God. Right. You know, in saying that, we're not saying that we know everything about God, we can understand all the mysteries, but we're saying that there are some borders that are put around who God is and who we are and our relationship and all of these things. I think there's another interesting thing here that when you take away the Bible as revelation, you're making yourself the authority on all things, on who God is, on who man is, all the things that we just talked about. And people find that a comfortable place to be because they don't realize that without biblical revelation as God's word, a lot of the values that they cherish no longer have an objective foundation. Mm -hmm. In other words, there are certain things that we are happy to put a box around and we take those things for granted. So for example, we believe in human equality because the Bible tells us we're all image bearers of God. That's a box we like and we hold on to. But if you don't have the Bible, you don't have that anymore. You have mm -hmm. no objective foundation for it. We believe in human rights because we believe those rights can be inferred from the inherent value people have as image bearers. Again, that's from what the Bible says. That's a box that we want. Or maybe a big one for progressive Christians, we believe in justice because the Bible tells us that justice matters to God, that he defines what's right and wrong, and it tells us how we should be involved in fixing the broken things of the world. But all of that is from the Bible. Mm. That is a box that we take for granted. We take for granted a lot of really important boxes that God has given us, not just about himself, but about all these values that we cherish. But no one thinks about those boxes. Right. And I think there's also a misunderstanding often when this is sort of lobbed at people. And I think that when people look at Christians who believe the Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God, that somehow we're also saying that we can know everything there is to know about God because we have the Bible or that we have this total certainty that, that there's nothing mysterious left about God if we think the Bible is our final authority, which just isn't true because, uh, you know, of course, in, in a certain sense, God is ineffable. ineffable. We can't actually comprehend him. That's why when language in the Bible talks about God, it's analogous, right? It's it's doing it's giving us a language to describe God, but we're never going to fully understand him this side of heaven. But as you mentioned, there are things we can learn, things that we can be certain about, things that we can say, hey, we can plant our feet on this. And this gives us a strong foundation to stand on. And it reminds me of your book, Natasha, Faithfully Different, where you talk about secularism is not a neutral tool. You're just trading one authority for the other. And I think by having this goal of getting rid of the box, you know, we can we can end up just going back to ourselves and saying, you know, it's the authority of the self versus the authority of God. And it's not a good thing because it's 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 it feels freeing. Right. It can feel like freedom. But there's a difference between being free to sin, like removing a box might be and being freed from sin, which actually makes us bond servants of Christ. So it's not like we're free to just go do whatever we want. We're actually bought with a price. We become his. And so uh, he's he becomes Lord. He's the king. And I think that's what people resist because they just don't necessarily want that ultimate authority. 
Yeah, people don't want to feel like they have a box around themselves. So that's why they have to take God out of the box. Because as soon as God has any borders around him and how we're to understand him, then that tells us about how we're to understand ourselves. And that is fundamentally what we can't stand. The Bible tells us repeatedly that we just want to go our own way, that all of us by nature are children of wrath, that we want to follow the desires of our flesh. We want to go our own way. And so I think that ultimately, and you know, it's hard to get behind people's motivations and things like that. But I think that a lot of times that is where it comes from. Let's unbox God because we want to unbox ourselves. Mm. We want to be free from everything rather than realizing that when we're given the box from God that he's revealed, this is the box of reality, that that actually frees us from sin. And so that's such a hugely important point. And also, I, I think that this whole discussion really explains why there are so many negative stereotypes of Christians who hold to the historic Christian faith, because we're often seen as being rigid, for example. If you think about the different descriptors people use of Christians, rigid or judgmental or, you know, too narrow-minded, all of these things come back to the idea that if you stick with what God has revealed, then there that means that you know, there's nothing, um, that there's no freedom in that, like we were talking about. But the bottom line is that it's okay to be rigid when we're talking about the truths that God has already revealed. In mm. fact, if the Bible is God's word, rigidly accepting what he's told us is true is the only reasonable choice. Otherwise, your flexibility isn't some kind of virtue. It's just an error. Mm, that's good. And it's often just lobbed as a shame tactic. It's just, it's to shut down conversations stop any sort of ability to talk together in any sort of deep way. And so, you know, it's if people say that you're putting God in a box because you have a particular theological opinion, just realize that, you know, it's kind of good we have those guardrails. God gave us scripture, and I'm thankful for it. So thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast. If you like longer form episodes, we go deeper into topics like these. But for now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on. That as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. 